0: what's up what's up what's up it's your boy chris cox host of multiple podcast disorder and if you like to listen of course you know i like to talk and we are here with episode 10 of the podcast and it's a wonderful show i'm really excited about it actually we have a special guest uh not necessarily live in the studio but uh, across the seas live in the studio we have uh our special guest ranzo he is the host of or the creator, content creator, host of the uh, Black Experience Japan uh, YouTube channel. He's also on Instagram as well and Facebook and just um, gives African-Americans and people of color or anybody a really good insight as to what it is to be a person of color uh, living overseas. And it is amazing. So I just want to say thank you and welcome to the show, my
1: friend. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh no problem. I, it's a it's an honor. Like I said, I, I kind of we talked off, or before the recording, I said it was an honor me as being a fan, being able to reach out to you and have you say, hey, yeah, I'll do the show. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's kind of surreal because I've seen your your podcast and. When you upload videos and you're in your room and it's black and white, I've kind of seen that. So it's <laughs> surreal being able to see that right now and I'm actually talking to you. So, again, thank you for being on the show and um, gracing us with your presence for episode 10 in our season two. Uh, so, I right. want to hop into it. And then, Ranz, I want you, if you can, is just uh, explain to everybody who maybe hasn't seen or heard of Black Experience Japan. Give them a a quick rundown of what it is and also where on social media that they can find you because, you know, social media is everything these days and that's where we find one another. So just let them know a little bit about you and as where they can find you on social media.
1: All right, nice, man. Uh, So the Black Experience Japan is a YouTube channel where uh, we're trying to actively... uh, change the narrative around Black people, right? Um, we're trying to put a lot of positivity out there, uh, you know, as it relates to who Black people really are, right? Not what the media tries to portray. Um, we're trying to give people an, uh, an accurate depiction of who we are. And, um, you know, we started in Japan. So there, right now there are stories from Japan, Singapore, China, Vietnam, South Korea, Uh, uh, black people primarily, right? We only interview uh, like black people. It's about the black experience um, across the globe. Um, uh, So that's what we are known for pretty much. And you can find us on YouTube, the black experience Japan. You can find us on Instagram, the black XJP. That's T H E B L A C K E X J P. And it's the same thing on Facebook, on uh, Twitter as well. And also we just released this application, uh, BEJ. DirectApp.com. You can go there. You can get uh, this uh, Black Business app across uh, Asia. So if you want to support a Black business, grab the app and you can do so.
0: Oh, that's what's up, man! Yeah, I mean, traveling is gonna be hard for the for the next <laughs> for the foreseeable future. But I mean, that's amazing because I mean, it's important to be able to find something Black-owned, and especially overseas. Like I watched. Speaking of how hard it is, or or how important it is i watched your episode where you went i believe was it vietnam and (laughs) the barber barber (laughs) barbershop yes uh and it was it was cool because i (laughs) i know a lot of us i know a lot of brothers and sisters when we move into different places that are out of predominantly um african-american neighborhoods like currently like i live in nebraska but i'm originally from new york city so and i grew up in new york city until i was 20 years old So I have the experience of going to barbershops and having that type of camaraderie and talking to people in the barbershop to coming out to Nebraska and not having any barbershops. And like, okay, I just got to cut my hair bald and let my beard grow.
1: It's a serious struggle, man. It's a serious struggle because sometimes... If you, if people have seen episodes, right, where I look like my hair is disheveled or whatever, it's not intentional. It's just that at the time of the interview, I could not find a barber. So I just got to work with it, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I travel to a certain country and I can't find a barber or you're trying to reach out to people, but they don't get back to you in time. So you just got to, like, just do it the way you look, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a serious struggle, bro. It's a, just, it was yeah. just funny about how
0: <laughs> uh, was the, barber side, the barber's name is black because he cuts black yeah. hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and it was it, it it was interesting how our culture or our
1: perceived culture has reached uh, such a global level. Yeah, uh, I was just in a video where it was um recording a video before he came on talking about that. I'm going to release a video uh, at some point this week, I believe. Uh, so the I was in Canada, right? I'm originally from Jamaica, right? Okay. So yeah. that's that's where I was born. I was born in Jamaica, grew up in Jamaica, left for Canada. Um, and, uh, so I was living, so Canada now is my home, right? So I guess I have like three homes now. So I'm like Canada, (laughs) Jamaica, and Japan, right? Um, and even though like my family live in, uh, New York, Queens, actually, my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, um, I only have one brother in Jamaica still, uh, but Canada was where, uh, you know, I lived and then we moved from Canada myself, my wife and daughter moved as a family. Uh, to, to Japan. My wife actually came before me, but she came, I think it was like two weeks. And the plan was for me to follow her after a month because I had a business back in Canada. Okay. So I was just trying to like wrap stuff up or whatever. And, but I couldn't wait. <laughs> so I came two <laughs> weeks earlier. So I'm like, and the, the second week I'm like, okay, we got to go. Uh, we're, we're leaving. Um, okay. So we left and we came here. Right. Uh, so the, 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 the main thing was teach and English teach. And that was the, the function because when it comes down to Japan, uh, there has to be something that that grounds you within the country, right? So, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you can come. It depends on your passport. You can come for three months, right? If you're an American, Canadian, whatever, but you can't work. You can't do anything like that. But if you want to stay and remain, um, you have to find somewhere, uh, you find a job, right? Something to to keep you here. So, study uh, or work usually is the two easiest ways um to get to Japan and remain here long term. Nice.
0: So then that's that's what brought you out there. Is you, was yes. it you or was it your wife? Who were, My wife was a teacher. She's a, teacher. a teacher. Okay, so she's yeah, teaching it. English. And then, yeah. so that's how you moved out. And then how did Black Experience Japan start?
1: Okay, so Black Experience Japan, um, I was doing, I had, a, I had a YouTube channel before. I started uh, a YouTube channel in 2016 first. And that was Ranzo in Japan. I've since changed the name, uh, but it was Ranzo in Japan and that was uh, just vlogs, right? So yeah. before even the vlogging began, I start, I was doing live streams, Great. right? Because like I'm a live streamer. That, that's how I started actually, actually in the social media thing from Canada, I was doing yeah. live streams, right? Um, so I started live streaming, and, and then people are saying, hey, why don't you start YouTube? I'm like, okay, I don't know. I'm like, okay, why not? So I just started a YouTube channel and the first video I made was about me, um, what was it? Uh, I think it was either the barbershop video or driving through Tokyo in the go-kart. Uh, that was actually fun. I'm not going to, like, people don't like that, but I'm, like, that experience is, like, fire, bro. Like I like driving. I yeah. like driving. I'm, like, I am like, I love driving in Canada. Like, I drove all these different whatever, but I'm, like, a, a car guy. So, like, driving through, through Tokyo was an experience, bro. And, you know, they told you not to drive too fast, but I was taken out. I was, you know, I was out on the road doing something, something you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? But it was fun. Uh, so that was the first video. And then um, people kept asking me, because, of course, I'm a black person in Japan. Yeah. And they're asking, like, some people are like, snap, I never knew there were Black people in Japan. You know, like, what is it like being a Black person in Japan? Uh, so those questions were coming a lot. Um, and then also there was, I got some some hate from racist people. It's one thing, when, once you're online as a Black uh, creator, man, it's something you can't avoid. You can't escape it. Like, at some point of your journey, you'll, you'll experience that, especially if you get uh, uh, more visible, right? Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, let me, I wanted to do, I'm like, you know, let me um tell people what it's like, but I never wanted to use myself alone because I felt like if I use myself, it would not be sufficient, right? To paint an accurate picture of what it's like to be black in Japan, because of course you, you have black people from all over the world. Right. Uh, and then there's so many factors that influences your experience. Right. So I wanted to make sure that I gave as a very as diverse as possible, um, of a view, right? Because I think that would paint something more accurate for people. So I'm like, you know what? Let me get different people from different backgrounds, uh, you know, that did different, uh, had different professions, et etc., and uh, put this forth to the world so people can actually get an understanding of what it's like. And also a part of it, to be honest, was to sort of answer some of the questions that uh, not the question, but I felt like some of the racist people that were messaging me and commented on my, my live streams and stuff, they had this twisted idea of black people. And it was so uninformed and dumb and ignorant that, for instance, there were um, people were saying, oh, like, uh, black people are parasites. They like using that word. That black people, wherever we go, we try to, like, take away from wherever it is, right? So you'd go to this country where, you, you know, like, uh, black people are trying to take away from the culture. They just go there to take, 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 but they're not contributing. I'm like, first of all, that's inaccurate. The reality is most of the black people in Japan in particular are people who are contributing to, to society. You can't be in Japan for the most part, unless you're contributing something. So almost every black person, maybe nine out of 10 black people in Japan are actually contributing, actively um, contributing to, to the society. So I wanted to show people, these black people, like I wanted to, it was more also a profile piece to show people who the people were, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, about just them being black, but I wanted to introduce the world to these people. And that's why you saw the way the videos are. You feel like you know the people, right? It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're getting to, to know a person because I wanted people to see the person as the human who they are, right? So if I'm interviewing, uh, you know, I don't know, like someone just of uh, a name, random name, like Rick, for instance, uh, that's just who he is. Who is this person? Uh, so I wanted to do that. And I, I think the way that I, I did it uh, was effective, I guess, based on the response. Um, But my heart was to try to answer the question, what is it like to be black in Japan, as well as to change the image that people have of black people by showing them actual black people, not some some type of abstraction in your mind, but actual black people. So you can't say, oh, you saw this in a movie. No, I'm showing you an actual person. Who are they?
0: Wow. I mean, that's just amazing to have that that foresight to say, I want to show you, I want, like you said, I want to change your narrative. I want to change what your perception is of a person of color, of an African-American, of a black person in Japan or overseas. And I would say, I think it has been successful. Like I said, I found it and I don't even know how. I think I was watching, I don't know. I was like, I, w- I was watching, uh, cause I, w- I was looking up information for one of my, Uh, podcast topics and I was thinking I was looking up like um, you know black representation in anime because I'm a big anime fan like I love anime and so I was looking up black representation because that was going to be one of my topics that I was going to talk about and I think I watched the video you know how you don't turn it off and it just kind of cycles through to another video and I think it cycled through to yours and I was like working and doing something else and I the the interview started to come through and I like stopped working like, and I, mind you, mind you, I'm at work, and so I'm st- I stopped working, and I, I was just sitting there, just completely enthralled with this interview. And I think mm-hmm. it was a young man, and I, and I forgive him if I can't remember his name, but it was a young man who was talking about he had came there, and his experiencing uh, of feeling free and not having the fear that he felt back in the United States. And he was talking about he's like active in the arts and like dancing and things like that. Like he was still trying to navigate his way, but he was still trying to do something to be productive in society. And I okay. remember just sitting there watching this, or this interview and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to click on the next one. And gonna, I think I ended up going through like three or four of them at a time okay, and okay. Wow. really felt like, and I wonder if anybody's ever asked you, has it felt like your videos have encouraged more Black people to come to Japan or follow that dream to go overseas to in, to any, you know, South Korea, Japan, Singapore, wherever it is? Do you? Has anybody ever yeah. told you that? Oh, that, that oh yeah, they... yeah,
1: yeah. I've actually seen uh, full circle stories where someone saw the video mm. and then I met them in person. So they saw the video and yeah. then they made it to Japan and then we met we met up right yeah so I, i've seen that a few times and also uh even before i started doing episodes in vietnam when i went to vietnam people reached out to me that actually went to vietnam as a result of just watching the videos they never had anything to do with vietnam at the time mm-hmm. but i guess people just felt this bug or they were inspired to just go somewhere yeah. right to just explore somewhere else go to a different culture so that has also been the case as well but people yeah that's definitely it has happened uh right and, and yeah
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, because I've had this discussion with my wife, you know, a lot. I think for me, the thing that continued to get me is it, the underlying theme that no matter who you interviewed, safety and feeling free is mm-hmm. what everyone felt. Like, yeah. you you, you interviewed you, with your documentary, because I watched the documentary as well, and yeah. um, you talked with the African-American gentleman who was a newscaster. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or um, like a broadcaster, very like he had definitely had a voice for TV and radio. Like it was, yep. <laughs> he, he, he just sounded like he should be Bumbers, my professor yeah. at some point. And he um, is actually he, he is a, a professor. professor well. <laughs> <laughs> like i like I need him in a class. Like I feel like he should be grading a paper. Um, yeah. But I watched that and I felt like and hearing him say to be a free man, not necessarily a free black man, but a free man, and he's been living there for over forty some odd years and being a free man. And it was just 38 38 38 years. years, Yeah. And it's like being a free, like that's something like I can't get out of the back of my mind. Like, Mm -hmm. especially with all of the social unrest, all the systemic racism we're facing here. And it's now being brought to light again, just because of the more video we have. It's like to have that feeling of being free. Like, I wonder what that feels like and how much of a burden that really is
1: lifted off of you.
0: Like, can you yeah. speak to that a little bit?
1: I was talking to someone recently, and the, I think one of, one of the reasons why it's such a, a stark contrast or difference, or why it's so profound, is that when you compare where you're coming from, right? Hmm. And Japan, it's like, if, even for myself, like Jamaica, maybe you've heard Jamaica has a reputation, right? When it yeah. comes down to like crime or whatever, right? It's like, it's like I was talking to my wife yesterday, <laughs> I was sharing a story about when I was in high school. And uh, these guys are trying to come into the school to rob people, right? And uh, how, how I, I perceive one of the guys or whatever. I, I sh- she's like, "Wait, well, you never told me this story or whatever. But Jamaica is tough. Yeah. It's a rough place. Can yeah. be a rough place. So you have to be almost always on. As someone said, who I interviewed from America, you always have to have your guard up. Like every time, once you leave your house, you have to be that person. You have to be ready to go at any moment in time. It's just a reality. So coming from a place like that or even what I've heard from people within America as well, to come to Japan, where that's not even needed. You're like, what? You know, you're walking around like it's it's something that is so different that it becomes it's immediately apparent. The moment you disembark the plane, you exit the airport, you're walking, you you get the you sense it, the 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 tranquility, the place is calm. Like you, I, I even for instance, I'm living here. I don't even hear my neighbors. Okay, I don't even hear my neighbors. They probably hear me, but I've never heard them. Uh, the place is so quiet, so peaceful that. It's like unlike anything else I've ever experienced. Um, so I do conquer with what they say. I do agree. Uh, sometimes I do these social experiments, not online, but I just put like leave stuff just to see how it goes and no one steals it, right? Uh, that whole thing. So it's something that uh, I've been stopped by the police twice. And uh, the first time I was live streaming. So, but the police was, they were actually polite. I'm not going to lie. Like I was live streaming. So I wanted I'm like, I captured it. So I'm like, oh. I kind of went with the flow because I wanted it to say, because I wanted to show people, okay, what is it like to be stopped by a police in Japan versus anywhere else? So, look, I'm a, you know, I, I was live streaming, so they, I'm not going to turn it off. I'm like, I want to see what it was like, right? So the guys were there. They said hi to the camera. Um, they did search my bag. And uh, for me, I wanted the whole thing to go through because I wanted people to see what it was like. Um, But they they were respectful in terms of, like, different experiences I've had. Like, it was different. It's a different encounter. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second time now was a little bit more. I'm like, hmm. Because I was riding from Tokyo to Mount Fuji, which is quite far. It took me, like, 15 hours. Um, I stopped before I reached uh, Mount Fuji. I went to uh, the suicide forest there. Uh, But I was riding, so I left early in the morning, morning, and they stopped me. And um, it seemed like they wanted something. You know, when a police officer stops you and they're trying to like search for something or asking you questions where you're like, okay, there's nothing there, but they're trying to find something. So you do have, there's a, a difference between those two encounters. One was okay. The second one was like questionable, but it's still, it was fine. Um, you know, I brought up some conversation told, told them what, where I was going and they were they could not believe it because it was just like crazy <laughs> you know It's like yeah. who arrives that far <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a mama chedi which is like a, a grandmother's bike right it wasn't a mountain bike bro i was one of those tiny bike with a basket on the front that was what i rode that's crazy Anyways. and for 15, <laughs> 15 hours like one one five yeah. 15 hours yeah brother? one five it was fun though bro man japan is beautiful to just go in the countryside yeah. it's beautiful uh-huh. but yeah so but that was a an encounter so I never felt, though, like they were going to kill me or my life was in jeopardy. It's like you don't feel that when you're walking in Japan, right? You Mm -hmm. feel at ease. You don't feel ever that you need to defend yourself or something might happen where you need to defend yourself. Um, So you do feel that peace, man. So it's something that you will feel when you come here. If you're coming from any other country, um, I think Japan is the safest country in the world. Japan or Canada. I think it's number one or, or number two. But you feel it, especially when you're coming from somewhere where, where you're not used to that type of lifestyle, it's even a much bigger deal for you. Yeah.
0: I, I, I Like I said, again, on my small level, coming from New York, and I grew up in between the Bronx and Brooklyn, and I grew up in the mid-80s and 90s. So it's like, it was like the Wild Wild Western at that time. Like, pretty <laughs> much everything was happening. So that yeah. feeling of, I need to be outside. Like, if I'm outside, like you said, you have that armor up because you're ready. If someone's got to test you, you got to be able to, like, respond back. You can't just put your head down and walk away because it's not. They'll just follow you. It's not going to go away. So having that and then moving to the Midwest for college, so moving to Iowa first for college in a very small place in Iowa, it was like, like, where, where did I just land in? It was completely different. I mean, and it had its pros and cons, but it was completely different. Yeah. And I can imagine just coming from the United States to Japan. Just, you know, you kind of, and I, I can see why the effect of your show, or the effect of your channel and your content, because it's almost, it becomes intoxicating because you see mm-hmm. it, you see the the interviews and you hear it and you're like, like, I want that. Like you like I want to feel that feeling like I want to feel what that 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 sense of getting off the plane and just going <sighs> like I, yeah. I want to be able to say that so I, I, I think that has a major impact because I know when I watched it I was like man I, I, I started googling okay teaching English in Japan <laughs> <laughs> like I, I had no joke I, I googled it like right after the first or second episode I was like hmm so this is what I might have to do. okay, let's keep let's file that in the back pocket and see if yeah. somehow I can um, <laughs> make my wife go along with that. I don't know. Yeah. but
1: it's, it's, an, it's an experience, man, that um, I think, like, for instance, my plan was to be here, be here for one year, and it's not a, uh, an uncommon story. Most people come here for a year or two, and they end up living for, like, a decade or more. So it's like, so you get an idea. You might hear something online, write about Japan, and then you venture to Japan. And then you find yourself falling in love with Japan. And then before you know it, it's not 10 years. I'm still in Japan. So that's a common story where people come just for like a brief, like a stint, right? One year stint, two year stint. And then people just remain. 25 years later, still here. Mm-hmm. And that just shows you how, uh, you know, just how the country is. Because you, you can imagine something from outside, right? And you come in like, snap, this thing sucks. I'm going back home, right? But imagine you come here and then you see what it's really like. And then most people decide to stay because walking around, I don't worry about my wife being out. I don't worry about my daughter being out. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm at such peace when she, sometimes she's like, Oh, I'm going to the store. I'm like, it's like midnight, but I don't feel any way. I'm like, okay, she can go to the store at midnight and she's fine. I'm not like looking. I'm like, okay, let me come with you. I don't have to go. Right. I'm just there. She goes, she does whatever she got, got to do. She come back in. So it's something that you feel, man. I, I got to say, uh, hopefully it remains this way but it's something that is very very different and that's what we want you want to be able to live in a society where you're safe you don't have to worry about people trying to rob what you have you don't have to worry about your wife or your daughter um anything happen to to them like that uh you know you just you you have this peace of mind of course there are other things in japan that you got to worry about in terms of in terms of maybe like um maybe emotionally like emotionally and stuff like that you like as a black person you don't really see many black people Um, you might miss certain things when it comes down to like, you know, the black culture, some of the foods and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, what you gain in return, I think it's a, a good exchange, a good balance, right? But it's a peaceful place, man. And, uh, I think it's a decent place for kids, as long as you can navigate the, like the bullying aspect of it. Some people face that, some people don't. Um, and then some kids also have the identity crisis. My daughter was asking me some questions at one point um so you gotta find so there are certain things so there are drawbacks but there's a lot of positive still right even the life ex uh, expectancy of people rises when you move to japan you know so it's like a black man live longer when you come to japan right? a black woman lives longer when you come here because clearly you ain't going no one, no one's going to kill you all right you're you, you'll die faster off old age or some <laughs> natural causes than, than someone killing you or something else like that so um, it's pretty cool.
0: Awesome, I and I was I kind of wanted to jump into that because I, I had a discussion with my wife this morning. We were kind of talking about that because I told her how excited I was having this interview and then going back and forth, and then of course we're everything. And, and my wife is a community organizer. She's a very, very much in. She's community organized and also an activist. So, okay. and my wife is uh, Hispanic. She's from Guatemala. So she's been very big into, you know, uh, DACA and the mistreatment of immigrants and Mm -hmm. um, especially now with COVID-19 in the U.S. And it's very big in meatpacking plants and a large group of the employees are um, Hispanic and the mistreatment there. So we kind of had a a conversation about like, well, is it going to be any different moving? And she was like, it's always going to be something when you go somewhere. And we talked about that bullying in that's one thing I was going to ask you and you kind of touched on it now. And I want to throw this out at you. Like what is it when you do come, like, especially for children, when you mm-hmm. move and you have children and you're coming into a new school and you're coming into a new culture, how does that affect children? And what, what is that like bullying aspect that you kind of touched on?
1: Um, I interviewed someone who had, uh, unfortunately her son had a really bad experience um, so she it was so bad that she sent the person back to Kenya, right her son. Um, she said what happened was because they moved from where they were initially, right? He grew up a certain place and then they moved I think to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And because he was uh, introduced to a new school where the kids never knew him. Um, so yeah, it was a different experience. Uh, so she said it was it's good to keep your child at the same place for as long as possible. Because they grew up with those kids, right? When I came to Japan, my daughter was really, really young. I think she was a few months old, like uh, maybe like a little bit over one years old, right? And uh, so she, the school she went to, she started started to learn to know the kids and you know grow up with them and stuff like that. So they know her, the parents know her. Um, so I think the younger, the better. Um, but I don't know what it is. It's like. Why the bullying? I guess it's just one of those things that kids do, right? Because they're different, right? So they see someone that's different and they just maybe try to pick on the person. Maybe uh, Japan has a problem with bullying. Bullying is a thing. Even if you're not uh, a foreigner, like bullying is actually a big problem in Japan. Um, but I'm not sure. It's something to think about as a parent, right? Because for me, I don't know. My mind is like, listen, man, if y'all mess with my daughter, man, it's you're going to have to like, yeah i'll lose it so my wife would have like, calm down right so i'm just like i'm just telling i'm like listen just let these people know you don't hurt don't mess with her because i'm gonna i'll roll up on that school
0: yeah
1: like the pull-up so like, pull
0: game is strong like, we i'm, I'm like
1: i'm <laughs> like i don't want to because i'm like if i when i lose it i lose it right um but so i usually have that in my mindset because i don't want you said daughter right you said your child you don't want anyone to do anything to them right so you, you want to be the protector um but so far she's been fine. She's, you know, she told us some stories. Um, she asked some questions, um, but I don't know what the I, I, I don't know what the solution is because I guess we haven't reached that place yet. I think they said is it middle school or elementary school just starts usually, mm-hmm. but she's not at that that level yet. Where, okay. uh, but I've spoken to other people who weren't bullied, and this one guy interviewed recently, uh, he's mixed, and I think the reason for that is he's not a pushover right so i think sometimes it depends how you are so if you carry yourself a certain way then i think it's the way anywhere in the world like people know who to mess with yes. you know like uh, in jamaica they say a duppy or a ghost knows who to frighten mm-hmm. right so it's like they know who to test right but if they know that you're not a person that you can be messed with then they'll just avoid you so i think if someone has that sort of like but but i know two other um, mixed kids um my close friends of mine. So we met this Japanese lady back in Canada um, and she was one of the persons that helped us in Japan, right? Like when we first moved here, she was already here. She's a Japanese um, and her daughters are um, mixed and they had bullying problems at school, like really, really bad stuff. Um, so it does happen and, and because they're different, right? And it's so dumb because these people are beautiful and sometimes you're wondering like, what in the world do these other people see? But, but in Japan, it's just being the other, man. If you're the yeah. other Uh, there's a possibility that you might encounter bullying. Uh, I don't know what the solution is. From what I've heard, one person said that they went to their their kids' school and volunteered so that the kids knew the parent. Um, So they try to, like, go there and volunteer as much as possible so the kids like the father. So as a result, they like the daughter as well or his kids, uh, some people said, you know, like, if you can get them in as young as possible, and then you keep them in that one place so that they grow up with everyone, it's a lot easier versus like uprooting them and moving them all the time. Um, so those are two things I've heard about from, from what people have said uh, to me. Uh, and then, of course, uh, maybe the language might be a thing, but kids learn it fast as well, because my daughter was saying, so I guess, I've, I haven't really, I, I think I've said this publicly before, uh, one thing she regretted that um, she spoke English. Right? She wanted to speak Japanese as her first language because she's like, now why do I have to speak English? Right? She's like, I wish Japanese was my language, right? Um, and then uh, she was asking questions to, at one point. Um, she's asking, why is that your palm this color and this is this color or whatever? Okay. Um, so we had to really talk to her because one thing I want to try to reinforce is for her to be proud of who she is. Uh, so certain questions come up and you're like, snap, you never thought that these questions would emerge, but they, they come up. So I don't know what the solution is, but it's something to think about and to pay attention to. I think so. I think anyone who comes to Japan with kids uh, who are young, you need to—they need to pay attention and ask questions, and uh, maybe even talk to other parents if possible and see what strategies or techniques would work. Uh, but yeah, it's—I'm—I haven't been there yet myself, so I'm not sure what that's going to be like. Okay. And then with,
0: you said something like being the other, and that's something I have picked up from your shows as well as a lot of people have said, it's not that you're black. It's more so that you're a foreigner. It's like you're a foreigner first versus we don't like you because you're black. It's like, we don't like you because you're not from Japan or you're not Japanese. And is, is that the true sentiment? Like you just have to
1: overcome being a foreigner first. That's what um, the Japanese people say. Like uh, it's almost like, it's like a consensus, man. It's, very consistent whoever you speak to when when it comes on to a japanese person they say no it's not because you're black like in their minds based on what they've communicated to me i'm not sure if it's the truth or not but they say they see japanese and then other they say it doesn't matter where you're from in their mind you're just not japanese and then there's a certain way that some people respond or treat people who are not japanese right so that's what they say to me um i haven't really yeah, and, th- and then some black people as well say, you know what, they feel cool because they feel like they, they're on equal footing with like white people in the sense that what we face, they also face, right? Mm. A white person would sit on a train and then they would, someone would get up as well, right? Someone would criticize a white person as they would criticize a black person. So you don't feel like, but then again, there are some areas where that might not be the case where they might still have some type of privilege, right? Maybe some positions that they hold or um, some schools that might want uh, I don't really know if it's a thing, but, you know, like, there's still some things where, like, apparently I've heard that half half um, Japanese and half white people get treated differently from half black and half Japanese people as well. So there's still, a little thing is still there, but for the most part, um, there are things that we share, mm-hmm. right? Common struggles as foreigners. So, like, foreigner struggles yeah. is shared regardless of who you are. Awesome.
0: I, again, I, it's, it's just mind-blowing to see... Because anywhere else you go, you, you kind of feel like it's black people, that culture, and then white people. And to hear you say, like, we're all just sharing foreigner struggles. Mm-hmm. Again, it's part of that intoxic. Like, I, I kind of want to feel that. kind of want to go. I kind of want to just see what that feels like. So I have that education in my brain to talk to other people. Or even when you're having those race conversations here in America, you're like, well, no, this is specific to us. Because if you go... The X, Y, and Z country—it's different there, and so it's just—it's good to arm yourself and figure out how to explain your plight by using other analogies in other countries. And I think, I think that also leads to partly why a lot of people want to experience being in Japan or experience being in, uh, you know, at Korea or or, or Singapore. And then speaking, speaking about Singapore—is that like a new? Because again, I watched some of your, again, because I, I always watch. I, I shouldn't even say some, like I watch them. <laughs> like I am a legit fan. Um, and so you've interviewed and you've been in Singapore. And is that, uh, is that like the new place? Is like is that like the frontier where African Americans are going? Is it like where they're going to Singapore, they're going to Vietnam? Is, are those the new places versus where Japan was kind of the first introductory stop? And now people are going directly, they're going to Singapore because of its growing uh, economics over there or just how they're perceived there.
1: You know, it's funny because, like, this is one thing, the channel, I got to be honest, is a force, man. It's it's literally, I'm just like, I feel like I've single-handedly just changed (laughs) just the world almost. It's funny because, like, people are going everywhere, man, and it's just like, yeah, we came out 2017, and uh, I don't know, like, yeah, because some of the things, for instance, some of the searches—if you search things—it's like my, it's almost like we've we have created a trend. Um, so, for instance, Singapore, this is what I'm, I'm noticing. It depends on ease of access, right? When people think about Singapore, for instance, Singapore is not really easy to—it's not an easy country to get to, right? Mm-hmm. But Singapore people speaks speak English. Yes. So there's not this barrier. So if you're thinking about, okay, like what's the easiest place for me to go to and you know get settled and, uh, and maybe assimilate or whatever, um, Singapore would be a good option in that you don't have to learn a language. There's like Singlish and stuff like that. You can learn that, but you can get by and do really well speaking only English, mm-hmm. right? In Japan, if you speak Japanese, you have an advantage. If you don't speak Japanese, there are doors that are closed that you can't open, right? But in Singapore, that barrier is not there. Right, so when so when people are looking at where they want to go, Singapore is appealing. I love Singapore. Like, if I don't if I don't control myself, I might move to Singapore. <laughs> right? I'm, not I'm just, Every time I go, bro, I'm like, I was there in February, and like, man, like, I'm like, I love this place, man. I love Singapore. So I'm like, if I, the reason one of the reason why I I haven't moved, is because I'm like, every time you move, it's like you gotta get used to a place and and understand the system and learn how to. Uh, you know, like there's all these things. So I'm like, man, do I want to go on just to learn how this place works and all these things? Um, even though I'm more established and stuff now, uh, but it's like, you got to uproot yourself. So that process, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that <laughs> right now. Right. Uh, but Singapore is definitely appealing. And if I decide to move to another country in this region, I might go to Singapore or, or somewhere else. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why And Singapore is small, but it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's hot. can be hot, like hella hot, like hot, 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 bro. Like, I'm like hot, like you melt when you go. I remember the first time I went to Singapore, when it was innate bro, I was melting like ice cream. <laughs> I stepped out of my hotel and it was just like, I was drenched. It was crazy. But the good thing is, think about Singapore. The transportation system is so efficient and cheap, it blows my mind. And every time I come to Japan, I'm pissed. Because I can take a cab. I took cab everywhere in Singapore. Bro, I don't take a bus. I think I took a bus number once or the train once or something. But I take what they call a Grab. It's almost like Uber everywhere and i'm paying like under 10 bucks to drive 30 minutes and some crazy price singapore yeah you come to japan that's like 50 dollars, 80 bucks right i'm not even joking wow i'm not even joking bro so i think that so people are moving to like singapore like and then the next thing too is that when they think about how much money they need to make the move uh so countries like vietnam is appealing you know thailand is appealing for people cambodia which is also uh cheap so countries like that. Uh, that's cheap people can get a bang for their buck. So I think mm-hmm. people are considering the language barrier. How much money do I need to move there? So if you want in Japan, it's quite, it's kind of expensive. So if you have like, if you come at like 10 grand, for instance, or even five, let's just say five be conservative, you come at $5,000, there's not much you can do with five grand. Uh, you could set up a bit because getting an apartment here it's kind of challenging when it comes down to how much money you got to pay up front. Uh, so you come with five grand. Okay. But if you go with five grand to Vietnam, for instance, you ball it. <laughs> it's like, like you balling, yeah. bro. I'm not even joking. Or, or Thailand or some, wait, this thing here. Or Thailand or some other country, you're balling. Um, so I think people are thinking about those two factors, how much money you need, the language barrier, the ease of uh, entry. I think those three yeah. um, criteria, that's what people use to determine where they go. No, I seen that. I saw I and you speak of the heat. Like I could see the heat
0: in the video you were interviewing uh the comedian and you were like, just walking through the streets and I could just see yeah. the heat because I was <laughs> I was like, wow, they, they hot. Like cause he was sweating, his shirt was sticking to him, and I'm like, everybody yep. else had on as little as clothes as possible. <laughs> like yeah, everybody just had flowy shirts and sandals on. I'm like, that just looks hot. But it also looked so comfortable because you guys are walking down the alleys and talking and sitting down. People were just eating and, like, everyone was yeah. just enjoying themselves. Like, no yep. one looked angry that you guys were filming. No one were questioning as to what two black guys were doing. It was just, oh, look, they're filming. Okay, cool. And they were just eating and you were just going about it. And you could tell how happy, how calm he was in the interview and also yeah. just – how fluid you were too, and that's why I wanted to to bring that up because I'm like I saw that happiness, and I'm like I see that as being a a new step because they bring it up in the interview in terms of yeah, everybody speaks English or or most people speak English here, so it's easy for you to come, and especially that 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 um, economic value like I can bring x amount of dollars and I'm okay living here, so
1: mm-hmm. I mean, but, but Singapore with the it is not as cheap as the other countries. It, it's like the transportation system is is cheaper, but real estate is quite expensive. Like mm-hmm. real estate in Singapore is like just d- ridiculous. Some of the people I've spoken to, like when you hear how much they pay for rent, but the jobs they have is like a really good job, right? So yeah. they can cover that, right? Because a the job, they make enough money to, to cover that, but it's like some crazy amount of money for like rent. But I, it depends as well because some people, dep- Singapore is a country where you got the really, really rich people and then the really poor people. And then, so you got to know where you got to live. So some people live in some districts where it's very pricey, but you have an option. It's almost like in Japan, everyone wants to live in central Tokyo. Or or, I'm I'm like, listen, if I'm saving 500 bucks, $300, y'all, for 30 more minutes, I'm saving that 30, I'll drive, well, I don't drive now. I have my license or whatever, but I I take the train or whatever, but I'm like, I'll take the train 30 more minutes to save 300, $500, because that can go a long way, right? But some people want to be in the heart. They're paying for like a little thing for like $1,000. I'm like, I ain't paying that and for what <laughs> to be in close proximity to my I'm like nah bro like trust me but that's it, so but it depends so like the further out you move from the city center you save money I I guess I want to ask where because like you said and and I don't think you need
0: to be modest I think you are changing the world I, I really do and I think you're changing the world starting with Black culture with black people and understanding that we are not, quote unquote, we're not shackled to where we are, and we Mm -hmm. do not have to keep our dreams inside. Like, if we are anime enthusiasts, we can go travel, you know, if we just want to go to Japan or go to Korea um, or go to Singapore because we want to just experience the sights and experience the beauty of a different country, we can do it because we have yeah. seen you do it and you've shown others that are doing it. So I think you are changing the world. So never sell yourself short. Like I think that should be in your bio for everything. <laughs> uh, we are changing the world. <laughs> like, it's, no, o- no. it's okay because I think you are and I think more people, I'm pretty sure other people than myself have said that and I think you are and I think that is awesome that you're doing that. My next question would be where do you see black experience where do you see it going from here what other avenues do you feel you want to incorporate or you're just going to stay
1: here in this lane and continue to change the world from this lane okay so two, uh, I want to just touch on two things really quickly so I'm an anime fan as well so I don't know if you know that but that was the thing that piqued my interest in, in Japan overall so anime right so I'm a big anime dude um, as well I just don't have enough time now to watch anime, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because it's You know, when you start a a new show, it takes a while. And then the time, that's the only thing I don't have right now. Um, And the next one is someone said this in an interview, and I I think it's it's beautifully put. He said, you don't choose where you're born, but you choose where you live, right? So for instance, like if I was born in Jamaica, it's not that I don't love my country, Mm -hmm. but you have the option to decide where you want to live, right? So the first part, you never had any choice. Your parents... Had you wherever they had you. And then now being a, a person, you can decide, okay, do I want to live here or there or there? And I think people should definitely travel. Um, I'm like, what do you have to lose? Like, if, if you have the opportunity to do it, check it out. You'll learn. Um, so, yeah. So that's one thing that I think is pretty cool. In terms of where we're going, um, in my mind, there's so many, there are so many different things that we're even working on and where we want to go. Um, Usually I like keeping stuff like, you know, behind the scenes until they're introduced to the world. Um, But there are different things. And this is just, um, I would say, maybe the beginning or a part of the journey, there are things that we want to do, you know, going forward. So there's so many different things to explore and experience, right? Uh, So I think, yeah, uh, there's just so much more that we can do. So we're working on some of those things. Uh, But yeah. I guess I will just say that. <laughs> okay.
0: Cuz I feel like you have there's a whole bunch of stuff and like you said you're trying to keep it real close to the vest. You're like ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like I don't want to I don't want to talk about it just yet cuz I don't I don't want the bubble to burst. But it feels like yeah, you got you've got a lot yeah, because, that you're
1: going on. Because I'm really passionate about black people and right? I'm really passionate about the image. I'm really passionate about um making a difference for our people, right? I'm passionate about that. And I think it's something that um needs to happen and this is just one way of this is the beginning right um and as you know certain sometimes things evolve uh you know sometimes you start one way and then you add things to it so i think that's that's kind of like uh where am um, is going like people can expect new things interesting things more even things that people have thought about you know most people would come to me and say oh have you thought about doing this i'm like look i'm always thinking <laughs> we just we just haven't said certain things so something that someone might be thinking that we should do we probably have thought about it and might be working on it already.
0: (laughs) All right. Yeah. Got it. That's great. Cause I, like I just, like I said, you you are changing the world. And I think whatever Avenue you decided to go to, whatever things that you're working on, they're going to be just as well, just as well received as your initial channel, as the initial interviews and documentaries, because you can see the growth within the interviews. And then even when I watched the documentary, I was like, this is so well put together.
1: It was so yeah. well done and so well edited. You know, the thing, the, the, the next thing too, is that for me, everything that I've done, I know there's a lot for me to learn. Um, like one thing that sometimes happen is the audio and uh, it's because like when I'm recording I can't monitor the audio simultaneously so sometimes certain things happen I'm like oh snap and I realize afterwards and I'm like oh my god oh my god but because I travel I can't really just say oh let me just change this thing right I gotta like fly to the person I'm like I can't just fly <laughs> tomorrow to, to reshoot um, and sometimes the, the, the interview was good and I'm like I gotta find a way to make this work um, but the more I, I, I do things I learn I, you know I see the mistakes I make um, I'm self-taught right so everything I have done uh, I guess maybe most people are, or maybe some people aren't. Some people, you know, they, they go to school for it and then they, you know, they just they start something. But every, I started on my cell phone, right? I started filming on my uh, my Android at the time. And then I started to move to iPhone. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, move to cameras, DSLRs, whatever. Um, but everything that I've done, I've taught myself. So everything so it's like I'm continually learning. And sometimes I like not knowing, uh how exactly exactly to do something because it's my color the way I do it. Because if you look at experts, they, they have a certain way of doing things. And sometimes they don't want to break the rules. So for me, I'm a rule breaker sometimes. And, and I'm just like, listen, I just want to just express myself. However that comes out, it comes out. But I do want to become better. I um, mean, you know, like better um, the video quality, better audio, all that stuff. I want to make sure that those things are are better. Um, so, uh, But yeah, most of what I've done uh, so for some growing, of course, because I'm learning new things, right? The more I do it, the better I get. Uh, but I everything I've done, I've taught myself. And I think I can say I'm a little bit proud, a little bit that you know I've, I've been able to bring myself to this level. <laughs> uh, you know, just learning as I go. So No, be I'm proud. That. Yeah, I everything is is taught
0: here. Like I remember the first the first very first podcast I did was on my iPhone. It was on okay. my it was yeah. on my iPhone. It was with you know the iPhone headphones. And I was sitting in my car on my lunch break. Okay, that was, okay, very, that was okay. the very first podcast I ever
1: did, and I thought it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all think the same thing with our <laughs> first project, right?
0: Yeah, and I was like, but I still put it out there, and then it was like that fear was mm-hmm. gone. Then and then, so I started. I like, okay, I'm going to do some more. So then I had some kind of equipment that was secondhand that I wasn't using, and I was like, I'm going to figure out how to make sure I can get this to work. And I got you know a mixer to work. And I recorded a podcast with that one, and I got it was well-received. And then I started yeah. moving up. And like you said, I was filming things on my cell phone, and I have a DSLR, which I want to use to do Zoom, but I need a little, you know, I need my little cam link, or whatever, to do that. So, like, everything, all my editing and things like that, it's all self-taught. So... Um, I know exactly what you're going through when you when you record something and you're like, ah, that audio, and you're trying to learn how to fix it, which then takes you down yeah. a whole nother road of how to fix audio problems and in, in post.
1: Yeah, and, it's and another how- game because audio is different from like video. It's like yes. a whole beast.
0: Yes. And then you just learn and it, you, and it takes a, it takes a problem or a situation. And like I said, you go down a whole like, oh, my God, how do I fix this, you know, in my computer? And then you learn a whole nother thing. You're like, oh, my God if I just did that first, I wouldn't have these problems. Or then you start researching yeah. equipment and I'm pretty sure Amazon is your best friend because it is mine. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon is my best friend. I'm like, Oh, I need, Ooh, that's a good, you know, and then I go to YouTube and look it up and see how it works. So I yeah. definitely understand what being self-taught
1: and trying I to. I wish I could fix the audio online because some of the videos I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I know how to fix that now. But I'm like, I can't, <laughs> maybe I, I try to look into YouTube and see it because the video is already there, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe I can fix the audio because YouTube has some editing features. Maybe I can try, I don't even know. But I'm like, the audio is the most important part, you know, just like the podcast, the audio. Mm. If the audio sucks, then people can't watch the video. Um, so that's something that I'm always working on. And uh, yeah, so I'm working on that. The goal is to to have the best audio in the world. Yeah, that,
0: yeah man, because that's, like you said, the people, They what do they say? People will forgive bad video, but they won't forgive bad audio. And Indeed. it's true, because you watch videos, like, oh, I can't listen to this, and you turn it off. But you can watch something that's kind of okay if it sounds good. So, yeah, no, I, I know those yeah. troubles here, man, hand raised, because I've spent hours trying to edit video and just, like, angry. Like, if I'd just did one thing better... Or to learn yeah. this thing better, then I wouldn't be here right
1: now. And then, you know, yeah. learning. I think to... all video editors need anger management. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> when you're editing videos, like especially when you, uh, you know you use a certain programs and they crash all the time, you're just like, it's like, yeah. They you need just... to have like a, a, a playlist for like video <laughs> editors and just editors <laughs> overall to just keep you calm while editing because yeah, it's a it's a battle man. Well, I just get up a lot,
0: but. <laughs> So I just get up and got to walk away and take a deep (laughs) breath and come back. And then you go, and then you know what also I've learned, the best thing about editing is that first I didn't have it planned out in my head ahead of time. And I think that was the biggest thing I've learned whenever I filmed anything or whenever I've tried to film stuff Mm -hmm. is now I with intent, okay, I want this specific shot because it's going to go into this Or I want the camera here because then it's going to go to here, which then makes the editing process easier. But before I kind of really understood that, it was so hard trying to chop the video up to match what was in my head. But I hadn't shot it that way. So, yeah, I don't know if that's what happened. They call
1: call it storyboarding. Yes. Has has that been yours as well? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah, sometimes. Some, but now, like, I'm better at it. So I plan, like, how I'm going to do it in my head. But before, it's so usually like, oh, maybe I might need this shot. And then you have so much footage, and you're like, oh, my God. And the, th- the thing is, the more, the more footage you have, the harder it is to edit because you have just too much, and then you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. But if you plan it so you just take, get enough footage so that when you, you know, import it, yourself, you say, okay, this is this part, that part, that part. And uh, you can do it that way. So the storyboarding does save a lot of time, man. The planning aspect saves a lot of time and i'm not really i usually don't plan sometimes but now i realize it's better so i try my best to do it Like i got this video that i want to edit and this video is probably it's probably going to be so long but it's a super interesting video i think you guys are going to love it um yeah i've never done it before it's like a different experience altogether man um but there's so much footage i got drone footage this footage that it was like it was a few days worth of shooting right? So it's just so many different things, moving yeah. parts. But it's like, I never did a storyboard for that. I'm like, oh, I feel overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, there's just so much. How long is this going to take me to edit? Right? But uh, yeah, hopefully I get it done and put it forth. Yeah, it hopefully. I, I hope so.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. Real quick, I wanted to ask, because we kind of moved from Black Experience to just what it is learning how to do all this on, on audio and video. Um, and you, Just going back a little bit to what you said, I know you don't have time to watch it and it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard being a dad watching anime because then there's some things that I don't want my kids watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, what are, you, what are you watching dad? Nope. You're not watching it. I'm not watching anything. Um, but what's yeah. your like favorite? It doesn't have to be current because it's hard. Like you said, it's hard to watch it. So it's hard to find a current one. If you have one, But what's your favorite anime um, or, or top four, top five.
1: whichever? Uh, well, using? okay. Well, okay. Most of the mainstream ones, right? So of course I like Dragon Ball Z. Uh, my younger brother, who is uh, twenty, told me about um, uh, My Hero. Mm-hmm. So I watched. I've watched. I think I've watched all the seasons at this point. <laughs> um, that was pretty cool. Um, and he told me about uh, Dragon Ball Super. I never knew that existed at the time, but so I watched that too. But so those are pretty cool ones. But I do like Bleach, but not all of Bleach. But I like Bleach. Um, some parts of Bleach I like, some parts I'm just like, I don't know what they're trying to do. But Dragon Ball Z, definitely. Um, uh, My Hero Academia, I like watching that. Naruto, of course. Um, I like the story a lot. Uh, Inuyasha. I actually really like um, Yu Yu Haka Show. Oh, I hated the end of that. I hated yes. it. It's like 100 <laughs> episodes. Right, but I I watched it over like a few times. I actually really like watching Yu, Yu Show. Like it's it's it, one of my favorites. It is. I, I if anybody hasn't watched it, if you want to know the
0: definition of on site, like we'll fight on on site, that's Yu Yu Show. Because every one of those characters are straight fight on site. He a, he don't care. Okay. Yeah. It's on site. Uh, okay, let's get it popping. Let's go.
1: <laughs> man, I man, bro, like I feel emotional about the anime, man. I'm just like, why. You know, but I guess it's better to, to end on a good note than, you know, to drag it out or whatever. But um, I like that one. Roro Nikenjin too is pretty cool. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I've watched a few, but I'd definitely would say in my top, let's say a top five, uh, I put um, Yu Yu Hakusho there, Dragon Ball Z I would put there. Um, Naruto, of course, I would put there. Um, maybe a recent one. I watched Attack on Titan as well. Um, but let's see. Um, I think I would put My Hero... I think I'll put it there, too. Put that in the top five. In, in terms of just a new thing. Um, and then what would be number five? What would be number five? Hmm. Sweep so Bleach? I don't know. Like, I, I, I've i watched One Piece, but I'm not a big One Piece fan. You're probably a big One Piece fan. Eh? You know what? No, I, I didn't get I into One it, Piece. It's... I didn't
0: get into it. Like, I like it. But I didn't get into it. There's only one anime I'm not a fan of, and it's used to be funny. I'm not a fan of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah? Oh, um, I love
1: it. That's I, my introduction, so that's, <laughs> I got I to I give it pops. Um, yeah.
0: And I think that's what with a lot of people, like when it started, when it came on Cartoon Network and it came on Toonami, everybody watched it. But I had already watched anime before then. Like my introduction to anime was a movie called Vampire Hunter D and that okay, okay. and that came out I'm going to say like 84, 85 when it was actually came yeah. out but I didn't watch it on video until like the 90s. And that was like my like introduction was that. And then I watched like, you know, Baki ha- I like I watched the old Baki like um mm. OVA, like I watched the old Baki, I watched the uh, sequel the Dragon uh to Vampire Hunter D. I watched a lot of like the um ronin warrior heroes and things like that sailor moon so so what didn't you like about dragon ball ball z or dragon ball my only my issue with dragon ball z is that there's no coherent story like i'm a big story guy like i love story Mm -hmm. like i need a story to like draw me in and like really feel for the characters but it never felt like goku was ever really going to be in trouble so like i didn't really care about who he was fighting And then it it was just random. Like, you just fight these random people and generate these random powers. But then they would constantly retcon the backstory to fit what they wrote, you know, five years. You know, they're retconning what they wrote five years ago to fit what they write now. So it became (laughs) frustrating. So I was like, I don't really...
1: I guess the only frustrating part for me with Dragon Ball, just the whole thing... Is just Gohan, you know. People said they did <laughs> wrong, they did wrong, right? Because you thought he was gonna be something yes. massive. He's gonna be this. Well, then it's like snap, or like,
0: and oh, that, and that's off. what I mean. Like the the story went from Goku, and you're like, oh my god, we're gonna they're gonna pass towards the Gohan, and he's gonna he's gonna protect the realm, and and then you mm-hmm. he's gonna protect the universe, and then you just like. He's just in a tracksuit with glasses, you know, and <laughs> and, and that's kind of his character. And it's always waffling back and forth to whether he's gonna fight and show this potential to he doesn't really wanna fight, so he's never ever gonna reach his potential. So it's like really frustrating. So like I'm yeah. a big like I'm a big story guy, which is why my hero academia like really had me sucked in because of watching that story and that progression. And I was mm-hmm. just like, "Wow! Like, okay, like I got hooked the first episode I watched, and then it's I an
1: emotional anime, anime too. Like, uh, I think it tugs at your heartstring at different points. Uh, My hero, right? Yes. Even the last yes. one with um, Endeavor. Yeah, Last episode, right? You're watching that one. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Like I watched that episode, and was like, okay, all right. Like it, it, but that's what I love about anime is because they can tell that type of story that you get completely invested in the character and if they yeah. die or if something positive happens to them, you almost feel like it happened to you. Like everyone yeah. who's a Naruto fan couldn't believe it when Jiraiya died. Like when when Jiraiya yeah. dies, everybody's like, for real? Like it, it, it yeah. took a little bit for that to sink in. But when like, you know, but when something happens to, to Goku, it's like, man, it'd be better the next episode. He's going to get a sense of being he's going to be all right.
1: (laughs) I'm always surprised at the writers at the writing because I'm like, some of these stories, I'm like, yo, who? I'm like, these people are talented, bro. Like you got some amazing writers, man. And some of these animes, I'm just like, wow. Like they know the right balance, man. There's a, it's a, it's a next level art form. Yeah. And then people, some people are sleeping in anime. And when, when you tell them about it, they're like, ah, anime, what's that? I'm That's like, a cartoon. <laughs> yo, you don't know what you're missing, y'all. Yo. Just sit down for a second and just watch one episode. you see what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Right? But, yeah, man.
0: I, I just I just love it. I, I love it because it can take so many different genres or art forms and bend it into a show and really make you, I mean, completely fantastical elements. I mean, people strong enough to, like, Crush mountains and and mm-hmm. fly and whatever it is, but they ground it in that emotional reality. Like you, they yep. still love someone or they still care for their friends or, or vice versa. And um, it you know it really like to me. I watched this one called Aldona Zero, and I mm-hmm. watched it, and I really enjoyed it because it was really, the emotional framework that they based. I mean, it was a similar like mech anime, right? But the emotional framework they put around it made me care about it more. And I was just like, wow. The like characters, when certain characters died or got hurt in it, I was just like, "Like I couldn't watch it for a little bit. Like I said, <laughs> like like, okay, I gotta take a break. I gotta take a break. I can't watch it right now. Like I'm
1: too messed up. There's one thing about, I like movies and I like anime, but there's one thing about these things that usually bothers me. Um, it's the ending. Because even a good book, so it's like movies, <clears throat> anime, sorry for the recording movies anime a good book as, as i'm talking about fiction um in particular right you get so invested in the story and then it comes to a conclusion because it has to happen right yeah. it's like it has to end at some point and when it does i just feel like this i'm just i'm so i don't know I, I i'm left wanting more i feel so disappointed because i'm so deep in it so there's one thing that i started to do in my own life i'm like you know what I want to try to make my life as interesting as the things that I'm drawn into so that way I can live the reality and when I die, that's the end, right? But I don't want something to end prematurely because I always, I don't know, like I get deep into it, man, like, and I'm watching, I'm like, yes, even when like Yu Yaku show end, I'm like, no, I want more, right? And any other good books I've read and movies, so I'm like, man, because we always want to, it's almost like we're living vicariously through these characters and it's like, when it ends, it's almost like a part of you is almost, almost dies. Yes. Right. Uh, or ceases, ceases to exist. And it's like, man, um, how can I, you know, build my life or create my life in a way where I can live the way I am and be uh, proud of this and enjoy this existence so that I don't have to, uh, find that in something else. That ends and then I feel the way I feel because it's beautiful while it's going on, but I'm always worried about okay, when are they gonna they're gonna end it at some point? Is this the final season? Is it that one? And it, even TV shows, man. So I stopped watching TV shows, bro. I'm just like, it's too much for me. <laughs> it's too much for me. Man. There was this one thing called *Leverage* that I enjoyed watching with these hackers and stuff. Oh and yeah. And I was so into it, and, they, and I'm like, why did you end the show? What? <laughs> so, bro, I don't like those things, man. So I try my best. They say okay, what can I do in my life to make it interesting? That mm-hmm. I don't have to like rely on these mm-hmm. things. That's gonna that will dis- disappoint me at one uh, some point in the future. <laughs> that yeah, it, no, that's an amazing like ass,
0: like a like, 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 thought process to have uh, to think of it that way. How do I make my life exciting so I don't live vicariously through these TV shows? Uh, but yeah. I, I I haven't gotten there yet. Like I mean, my my life is exciting. <laughs> I, I haven't gotten there yet. Like I'm still like wake up. I do my routine, hang out with my kids, you know, football coach things like that. So that's my interesting, but I still like my shows. But I know what you mean, and it's yeah. it's gotten better and it's gotten worse because I I've branched into watching like a lot of uh, Korean TV shows. Um, okay, 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 I've got branched it, and then so it's better because it's usually one season because each each episode of a Korean television show is like an hour and a half, so it's like watching sixteen movies, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, you, you finish it. and It's like, okay, it finished, but it's still, like, they only do one season. Like, Korean television usually just does one season of a show, and that's it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so they just do one season. And, so you, and then if it's a really good show, then I'm like, they're not wait, they're not going to do another show? Like, I watched 24 episodes of a show called Live, right? And it's it's mm-hmm. on Netflix. It's a Korean television show. It's like an hour and 15 minutes each episode. And like some of them were like an hour and a half. Like these are long yeah. episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Twenty four episodes. At the end, I was like, uh, <laughs> "So we're not gonna have a season two? We're not gonna follow up on the, on the next rookie class? Like what's that?" Like I was like really tripping out. I was like, "I like I said, I went to Google and started to search if they were gonna do a season two, and that's how I found out most Korean television shows only do one season." So like, yeah. I was completely like crushed because over, yes, over 24 <laughs> episodes, like I really like got to know the characters and was like, man, I, yeah. I really hope, you know, he gets yeah. his promotion or they stay a police officer or whatever it is. And then they just said, no, nope, that's it. We're done. And I'm like, yeah. it ended well, but I wish it didn't but, end. So I, I agree.
1: All <laughs> all these things, like I can call to my, even the books, bro. Like I'm just like, man, and it forced me to, one, to try to make my life as interesting. Uh, and two, sometimes I think about even writing my own stories. Because I feel like I'm like, you know what, if I try to create the type of story that I want, I'll write it the way that I can, you know, like that I can enjoy it without ending it or whatever. But of course, when I die, it's, it's over. But sometimes, I don't know, like it leaves me wanting more. And I don't like that feeling. There's a book that I had, I read in Jamaica when I went to school and it's called um, Green Days by the River. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the author, um, but but bro, that book, as a young guy growing up, it was about this relationship with this guy that wanted this girl, dude. And like, I'm living through the dude. I'm living, I was like, I don't know, I was like a teen young dude. I'm like, you know, I think the guy's name was Shell and there was this beautiful girl, the way the author described the girl and he was trying to pursue the girl and eventually got the girl. And like, bro, I'm like, when the book got good, and I don't know if they cut it because it's for school at the time, so they're like, okay, X-ray or whatever is going to happen after this, we can't give you guys no more. But I'm like, bro, I was searching, I'm like, we got Cloud McKay, author Cloud McKay. And I'm like, where can I find part two? They never did a part two, bro. But the book was so good, Green Days by the River, man. And be, and be, uh, but you, you
0: internalize it, because as a guy, as a young guy, you spend a majority of your time chasing a girl. Like that's your like it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I want it to be
1: my story. I yes. want this story to be my story.
0: I mean, it's a miracle we graduate from anything at all. It's a miracle <laughs> we make it through middle school, high school, college
1: because we
0: are very much preoccupied with chasing women and finding More so than just chasing different women, you want to find that one woman from like a book or that one woman (laughs) from TV or that one woman from that show. You like you just wanna find that one and it and it's just it's a massive preoccupation preoccupation of your time. And so I can see you just like completely empathizing and putting yourself in that place and and feeling everything you felt.
1: Everyone wanted that, girl. Everyone, bro. <laughs> everyone. Trust me. I think that was a one-class where No, like, bro, it's the best class ever. No, everyone is just like, yep, oh, in the book. They don't have to tell you to read. You're reading that book. It was the best, bro. They need books like this in schools all across the world. If they have books like this, everyone will be reading books, bro. Like, Because the book, like, you don't have to um, oh, I'm done the book already, miss.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs> finished. <God>. I'm actually <laughs> reading it again. I'm on my second time reading it. Don't worry about me. No, I'm on my second sure. time. It's okay. I'm going to get an A in this class. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right?
1: Damn, no, damn. I feel
0: you. I, I was like that. I read um, Things Fall Apart in... Okay. Eleventh grade. I mean, things fall apart in eleventh grade, and I read that book, and it was just so engrossing, like and understanding like manhood, but how Mm -hmm. times change, and so there's different definitions of manhood, and if you don't change with the times, then you're like doomed to like fail, and so Mm -hmm. that was like really, especially when you're growing up and you're 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 becoming a man, and you're trying to figure out how to be a man. So when I read that book it had a real big impact on me in terms of how I viewed uh, masculinity or how I viewed being a man, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it made me rethink certain things. And so like I read, I've read that book probably five or six times in different portions. Yeah. I read it in high school. Mm -hmm. Then I read it in college. And then when I finished school, I went and brought the book on my own. And read it, and like I have it in my like library, like my little it, book here. So
1: I'll write it down. I'll, I'll check it out. It,
0: it's it. W- yeah. It just to me, and it, it's something. There's like a couple of things, and I'm like that. I'd rather, I would much rather read or watch something, mm-hmm. again, than watch something new that I won't like. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like I would rather rewatch a movie or rewatch an anime that I know I'm gonna like, regardless if if I've seen it already. I still yeah. know it has the same effect on me versus, okay, I'll take a chance and watch something new. And three episodes in, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to watch this. True. This is stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> so, but I I don't want to take up too much because I know you said you had other interviews. I don't want to take too much of your time.
1: Oh, not today. Not today. But, oh, yeah. okay.
0: but um, I, I really want to say this again. <clears throat> I'm really very thankful of you being on the show. Like, okay. I am... 100 percent thankful for you being on the show and like sharing the conversation with me because it was much more than an interview like I really felt this was just a conversation if we were just sitting down across the table from one another so i I really appreciate that and look forward hopefully in the future can do more things together be a podcast or whatever because like I said I'm really a definite fan of you fan of the show and in what you're trying to do um mm-hmm. and one of the last things. I would like for you to speak and, and have some time to speak to the audience is for those that want to travel, those that want to make their life as entertaining as an anime or as a book or want to follow that kind of philosophy, what mm. would you say to them especially if they were thinking about making their life that entertaining or that exciting as possible and they wanted to travel, what would you
1: say to them? Um, I guess something that's happening and I think I might need to, I need to fight this thing <clears throat> because usually I would talk about just the way my mind works. And then sometimes as I get to meet more people and learn about more people and learn people overall, I realize that everyone thinks differently, right? Like everyone, certain things that might work for someone might not work for someone else. But I think the reason why my mind is the way it is, I should just share the way I th- see things. Cause sometimes I always try to qualify something and I say, well, um. Uh, put a disclaimer there or that and then I'm like whatever so I, I guess I won't do that but I'll talk about the way my mind works and hopefully if someone finds value in it they can uh, uh, like adopt that mindset or mentality um, I believe in I'm a risk taker right first of all so like I'm, I'm like a crazy guy uh, so even moving to Japan for instance was uh, me taking a risk right leaving a, a flourishing business we were making money was growing um, I, I literally just secured my first bank client And uh, I literally just left (laughs) Canada at that point. So it was a a massive risk. Uh, But the thing is, I always believe in um, lifestyle design, meaning creating the type of life that I want to live because life is short. So for me, I'm like, I try not to allow fear to make my decisions for me. And I think a lot of us allow fear to make our decisions. And uh, when when fear makes a decision for you, you're not the one that's... you're not the one that's making that decision. Fear is the one that's making the decision for you. So you never made it, Fear it, right? So if you wanted to move to a place, you wanted to do something, but you're afraid, you were, you were afraid, then fear made the decision for you. You never made it. Um, so I would say, whatever it is that you're drawn to, uh, whatever you feel like you need to do, and you keep stopping yourself, but you know that this thing keeps coming up and you want to move to a country, uh, if it's that, do the research, make the move. Right? You want everything won't make sense to you in the beginning. Right? You won't uh, know how you're gonna feel when you go there. Because even if you go and you you travel, moving is a different thing. You gotta go through the process of finding find an apartment. You gotta go through the process of you know uh, going to work and talking with your coworkers and figuring out uh, your your neighbors or community, how the society works. So you won't ever be fully prepared. So I would say if you wanna do it. Uh, Take the leap, take the plunge, take the risk. Um, You never know, man. I think that's one way to live. So there's no regret. Um, And and it keeps your life um, uh, interested, right? Uh, So that's what I I guess I would say. uh, Because I know a lot of people are afraid. That's one of the biggest things that stop people from doing anything. So yeah, do the things that you want to do. Take the risk. Uh, Yeah, and then you'll see what happens after that. I hope that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did, man. It did.
0: You know, just don't let fear stop you. Yeah. If that's, it, if that's the big thing you want to impart to people is don't let fear stop you from doing something. And yeah. and I, I will speak to that in terms of I was very afraid to reach out to you because I didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was just going to get no response or if it was just yeah. going to be like, I think in my life, I was like, this is not spam. Like, I'm a real person. Like I'm <laughs> really trying to ask for a podcast interview. And, like, I just I just did it. Like, I, it was after watching, I think it was watching the video you talked about, Fear, when you put out that video about that. And I was like, well, I know somebody I would personally want to talk to. Like, if I lived in mm-hmm. Japan, I'd personally like, okay, I would like to, like, meet up with you. And so it was, if yeah. I want to do that, then this is something. And if I want a podcast, if I want to be on on social media, if I want to be, you know, a presence online, then I have to be able to get out of my shell and figure out where I can go. And so like typing that email was probably one of the most, the scariest things I've done for my show was typing that email because I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm not like a big, I don't have a huge following. Like I'm really just starting out. Like, just really starting out, putting out content and things like that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I wrote the email and like, I hit send and was like, okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so it was yeah. very, it was very nerve wracking. So like I can, I can attest to that when, when Ranzo says, don't let fear block you. Because if I would have done that, but have just been like, nah, it's probably not going to happen. You know, he's, you know, it's really big following on YouTube. He's got a lot of followers. He's, He's on, you know, Instagram, like he's doing big things. He put out a documentary. I'm probably not going to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And wow. if, I'd, if I'd have thought like that, we wouldn't be here. So I, I just want to say, yes, I can attest to that. Don't let fear stop you
1: from doing something. So yeah. I'm I'm glad he shared that. I'm glad he shared that because there was a time when I wasn't doing any interviews. Right. There was a point where I wasn't. I'm just like, I never wanted to do any interviews yet. Right. Um, but now, so now I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm doing interviews now. Uh, but I'm glad that you said that to me. I never did, meant so much to people, <laughs> you, you know, uh, to do the interviews. Uh, so now I'm like, okay, you know, if someone reached out and I have the time and stuff. I'll do it. Right. Um, I saw the, I saw the, the email and, um, I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me, let me reach back out to Chris. Um, about the, 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 podcast. Uh, but the thing is everyone starts small, bro. Like that's one thing, you know, like I started small. Um, but one, I guess the difference with me, with BJ uh, versus anything anything else I've, I've done because I've actively tried to build other things, but the thing with BJ was that it was such a it was a passion project for me. It was coming from my heart, and that was something that separated this work from anything else I've ever done because I loved and enjoyed it so much, and I'm so passionate about the cause that I was just I threw myself into it, and I was just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, um, and I never uh, cared about other numbers. That's why people never knew my subscriber count because I never wanted it to be about or subscribers, well, this guy has this amount of subscribers, or he doesn't have this amount of subscribers. I just wanted to be able to create what I wanted to create with the mission behind it and put it forth to the world. That was my motivation. So one thing that that did for me was it was good for my mental health, because on social media, it like, trust me, if you're looking at the stats, it can drive you nuts. Like it is. And it's, and, and I don't think anyone really talk about that part of um, creating, man. Like, uh, the validation and just the way people feel when no one is watching anything or listening to you, or whatever the case is, you, you you understand. So, the thing with BJ, I never experienced that because I was just doing it. And yeah, if I got a hundred views, I'm like, cool. If I got five hundred views, it was like party time. I'm like, oh snap! And it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Um, it was like, oh, the views. I just felt like, oh snap! This is actually reaching five hundred people. So the impact that I want to have may happen. Right. So so that was that was my motivation. And then one day, like a video just went viral and I'm like, snap. Oh, oh, snap. What do I do now? (laughs) What do I do now? (laughs) And um, I guess I just decided um, it was nerve wracking. That's a different experience. Um, But I just decided to just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm like, you know what? I just keep doing what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because there's a mission behind it. Right. Something greater than myself. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I had that old snap moment when you responded a couple of days, and like, yeah. So you still interested? Let's go do it. Let's do it on you know Tuesday morning for me. Okay, oh, yeah, perfect. You know I sound real confident over email. Yeah, da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there talking. about why, oh, I got to do this interview now. I got to get, get everything set up. <laughs> he <They> actually <laughs> said yes. Yeah, <so> okay, <laughs> so I'm over here making all my equipment is checked. I'm like, okay, I like redid my desk to make sure everything is easy. I'm like, okay, please don't please work everything. Please work the way it's supposed to work. <laughs>
1: Yeah! Wow, so wow! I definitely wow. had
0: that old snap. Yeah, I appreciate
1: moment. you reaching out to me, man. I appreciate it. I do. No, thank you
0: for doing that. You're welcome, and thank you for responding like again. it It means a lot because, I, like I said, I think the your mission, your heart that's behind your content that's why I said don't be afraid to say you're changing the world. Like it definitely touches people. I mean, even if I don't get to go to Japan or don't get to go to Korea, or don't which I hope I do. Still, the understanding of what is available and that we have the option to do it is very big, especially for our younger generation. Our younger black girls and black boys and, 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 you know, it's big for them to understand they can get out of the United States. They can go somewhere and they can flourish there. And there are others that have went before them that they can create community with. So that's Indeed. that's a big deal. And, and just um, being able to be a part of that, of you, and share that message with others and, and be on my platform and share that with you, man, that's that's all good for me.
1: <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome.
0: So just a really quick, Ranzo, just let everybody know where they can find all your stuff again because if everybody's listening all the way to the end and you want to go check out some of Ranzo's videos, if you want to check him out, on Instagram or any social media. uh, Let us know where they can hit you up
1: at, Ranzo. Okay. So you guys can find us on um, uh, YouTube, of course, the Black Experience Japan. You can find us on Facebook, right? We have a group as well, the Black Experience Japan group. We have the page, the Black Experience Japan. Um, And you can find us across social media at the Black XJP. So T-H-E-B-L-A-C-K-E-X-J-P right across social media. You know, drop us a message, something. Um, Yeah. We're right there. Well, perfect. And you can find me, uh, host of Multiple
0: Podcast Disorder. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Multiple Podcast Disorder. Uh, we are on multiple hosting sites. We are on Spotify. We are on Anchor. We are on iTunes. Uh, we are on Google Play, Google Podcasts. If you don't want to go to all of those uh, different websites because I know we're social media lazy and we love to just have one link. So you can hit me up on my link tree, which is e, and that's at multiple podcast disorder. So that makes it very easy. It lists all of my social media links and podcast hosting site links in one easy space so that way you can hear this wonderful episode between ranzo and i as as soon as it goes up live for everyone to listen to so again i appreciate you i'm very humbled to have you on the show and to my listeners i like i always say if you love to listen i love to talk thank you for listening i'll leave you with some music and peace